This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. Hello and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast at at I am Jason Mann and with me is my partner in crime, Rich Krejci. Rich Krejci, back with you. Absolutely. And we are going to talk about uh, it's sort of a topic uh, that's in the news a little bit with uh, Kobe Bryant having announced, uh, officially announced his retirement in his 20th season. Uh, it, we're going to look back at some of the other all-time greats, all-time franchise players, um, look at sort of how they went out. Some of them went out with the these farewell tours. Some of them went out just having announced it, but being a little more low-key. Some of them didn't bother to announce until after they were done. So we're just kind of looking at some of the other legends of um, basketball history and kind of comparing how those receptions were to how Kobe is being received this year. Yeah, and it, it's an interesting thing in sports right now because for, for a lot of people, and at least I've always sort of thought that is in recent – because I'm a big baseball fan, so of course a lot of the stuff going on with Derek Jeter and Marion Rivera of, of them retiring over the past you know five years or whatever, it's been a lot of this. Of, of, or Chipper Jones is another one too that I remember got like every place he went, everybody was doing and all this sort of stuff. And people kind of assume that it's sort of this brand new thing in sports. And I think it's been ramped up a little bit more of the like, okay, retiring legends coming to our hometown, so here's all this stuff. But it's not completely new. It's not like – of as of five years ago this started there there's there's examples of it in history it might be a little more ramped up now but a guy like kobe is one where like there were some people and i'm sure there's going to be in the next you know decade or whatever there's gonna be people that are like yeah that guy's like just kind of okay you know what i mean like he doesn't deserve this but a guy of kobe stature i'm okay with that it seems like the nba does it only when it's like guys of ridiculously worthy stature whereas baseball sometimes can get a little tricky with that but we'll, we'll talk about it when we do yeah it, so. well it you know that and that kind of speaks to the difference in the nba to baseball as well because like baseball even the most important players like have like a limited 
you know, serve a limited oh, role. Yeah. You know, yeah, like Mario Rivera is the greatest closer of all time, but it's like, well, I, you know, like, yeah, he pitches he, in the ninth inning, and right. yeah, how I mean, like, he's the all time, yeah. he's the best failed starter of all time. Like that's really cool. Sure, <laughs> like, yeah. Just, and cool. whereas in basketball, the yeah. the true franchise players really have, you know, a a huge impact in all aspects. Right. Of the game. Like Kobe is a transcendent, like Kareem is a transcendent right. guy. Like guys we're going to talk about here are like transcendent sort of yeah. guys where, and like, I got it with, with Jeter was one that I got it as well. Yeah. I think from a, 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 maybe not from a, you know, his baseball skills, you know, arguable. I mean, he's obviously a very all time great player or whatever. Is he an all time like legendary top, you know, whatever you can argue that or whatever, yeah. but still with the glamor of being in New York, the championships and all that sort of stuff, you get it. And there are a few of these guys we'll talk about here in a little bit, but yeah, I, I think it is a little bit easier with basketball to just sort of say that is the guy, you know what I mean? Like Kobe Bryant is an all time, like a, a legendary all time. great, And the, you know, at the moment that they're retiring too. Yeah. Which is pretty cool too. It doesn't really take much to figure it out that you know. Yeah, and that's this guy's special. That's kind of a fame versus value thing, and, mm. and you know, and with with Kobe, there's definitely a lot of both. Um, well, the Economist told me that Kobe Bryant wasn't very good at well, basketball. Well, so yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the Economist was a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like the headlines was <laughs> the headline was like Kobe Bryant really not that good at basketball. The headlines like he's really good, but is he like the best ever? Yeah, like it it, it's like, a little. I mean, I feel like we basically agree on Kobe is like he's probably in like the. He's somewhere like in the 10 to 20 range, probably, of all time. Great player. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not like, of course, you know, people know me as the the prototypical Kobe hater or whatever. But no, it, it's yeah, he's it's inarguable that he's, you know, top 20, top 25 all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make that probably game. not top 10 for me. But I mean, yeah, I don't know if he'd be wanna, my top 10. If you want to throw in. I'm going to get a lot of people very upset. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to make that argument, I'm not going to say like it's ridiculous. It's not out of the world. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to say the best of all time, you're probably out well, of your world. Yeah, but I know. But, but yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, it. it it's interesting because we talked earlier in previous shows, you know, one of our uh, season preview type show where we kind of talked about the idea of like Kobe, like wanting to have a purpose for Kobe. Like that was kind of <laughs> yeah. you know, what we were sort of hoping for as basketball fans for him to kind of go out with a purpose. And, and now that he's actually officially announced his retirement and then he's leaving, you know, to a claim from every crowd that he goes to. It's, you know, it's, it's sort of the last time you get to see Kobe versus this team or in this city or in this situation or whatever. I think it does add a little bit, you know, it, it does sort of as a as a fan of basketball, but not specifically a fan of the Lakers or Kobe. I, it still adds a little bit more satisfaction of like, oh, OK, now I feel like I, I at least need to watch this from a point of view of like, this is the last time I'm going to be able to watch, you know, one of the most important players in NBA history. And even though, you know, performance wise, it's really bad. <laughs> I mean, it's really, really, really it, bad. We're, we're going to go through some guys uh, here who who actually, I, I was actually surprised at the the number of guys who it is not all that awful their last year, but uh, yeah, Kobe's kind of embarrassingly awful right now. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's uh, I, I think he had a good game, so he kind of kicked that shooting percentage up a little bit, but it was under 30%, just, you know. Um, uh, the threes, what is he doing? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's weird, and it, it's sort of like, a, you know, it, it's an odd dynamic of, uh, yeah, it, it's 306 um, shooting percentage, uh, 219 from three-point percentage. This is, uh, this will be, released a little bit after we've done this podcast. So obviously yeah, that, so the that'll be updated be. a little bit, but yeah. whatever. The, I, I do not think he's going to go on such a tear that that's that the <laughs> point so is either, going yeah. to be um, there. So, you know, we've talked about this before as well as like, okay, you know, um, you know, we are very near the end of Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki, 
Paul Pierce, you know, all these legends, Vince Carter, yeah, Vince Carter, all these guys who, you know, started around the same time, you know, within a, within a year or two of each other. And, um, you know, have had these like crazy long careers that are, you know, nearly unprecedented in NBA history. I mean, only, you know, a handful of players before this generation has have had guys who have lasted 18, 19, 20 years. Um, and now, you know, we've got a bunch of these guys together and they're all, you know, probably going to go out within a year or two or three of each other. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Kobe going out versus, you know, Garnett goes out, Duncan, Dirk, you know, whether these guys go out with like a lot of acclaim, whether people are going to know ahead of time or whether they're just going to, mm-hmm. um, or whether they're just going to, you know, it's going to be, I mean, it's kind of gone back and forth with all the legends in NBA history. We're going to you know, talk about some of them, but. which before we get to those, which do you prefer from a standpoint or is it different based off the player? Um, you know, I like it ahead of time. I, I kind of like the pageantry. I kind of like the, um, you know, the ability to celebrate their career and ability to kind of have the, you know, the, the story behind it of this being kind of the failure tour. even though Kobe is like, you know, they've requested like no gifts and, um, you know, they've tried to like tone down some aspects of that. But I mean, I think the only real reason to announce this is to at least have, you know, to have the goodbye in a, to a certain degree or, or take the pressure off the organization or whatever, just to kind of, you know, admit, okay, this is actually it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of prefer it being open, although I understand players who don't want that to to, you know, to be a distraction or to, to be a thing. So, I mean, I think either one is fine. But as a fan, I, I prefer to kind of know and to be able to celebrate in the moment. I used to I used to be the opposite. I used to think, no, I, you know, because I hated the pageantry and that sort of stuff and the pregame gifts and all that sort of stuff. But sort of as I've gotten older and I think I've I've gotten to the point now where a lot of the guys that are retiring, like I think it's it's a very personal thing where. Now a lot of those guys, like half the names you got, you mentioned before, you know, guys like uh, Vince Carter and Dirk specifically are like two of my all-time favorites, and I have such like fond memories of them that I would almost, you know, knowing that it's going to be Dirk's final game in Chicago or whatever, will make it so. And I try to go no matter what, but that would be like, you know, no matter what, I have to go and see that. You, you know what I mean? And like I have to watch all these games, and I got to appreciate it a little bit more. Whereas, you know, if he didn't, I may, you know, I might kind of take it for granted and, and and not really maybe watch as much, not go if he's in town and that sort of stuff. And that's. You know, as I've gotten older, I've sort of appreciated the idea that, hey, you know, it, it's pretty cool to have that sort of closure. Whereas, you, you know, if he just out of nowhere retired after last year or whatever, and I was like, oh, no, I, you know, I didn't get to see that. I, I'd almost feel kind of I, I don't know. I feel like let down or like I didn't I didn't get to, you know, have my closure with that or, you know, there's different things like that. So I, I'm, I'm on board with now. Uh, knowing and I think sometimes the gifts and that sort of stuff can get a little too you know you know over the top or whatever but it, it's it doesn't really bother me like it maybe used to uh, for whatever reason it did bother me but not, I'm okay with it now and yeah uh, you know we, we'll talk about one of these guys here but I was watching video of one of the guys you know the last game or whatever and you, you have no idea and he doesn't really I don't know if he knows and the crowd kind of knows but does and it's just like, kind of awkward and weird and it's like you know what I, I think it would just be good if everybody knew hey this is it for that guy. But yeah, I'm, I'm on board with no one ahead of time as well now. Yeah. And I think it makes a difference whether this player is like on the franchise, you know, he's been on that team for his yeah. entire career. Most of his career, at least is like best known for that franchise. You know, that, 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 the way that kind of way of saying goodbye in front of like the fans that are, you know, kind of the, your main fans. I think that makes a difference versus, you know, a guy like Pierce or, 
Carter are unlikely to have that kind of send off to their right. Career. Yeah, like Memphis isn't going to give like a, a you know, where, the, where the hell is Vince Carter? He's Memphis, Memphis yeah, still, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and that's what, like that's yeah. yeah I mean, I, I don't even remember yeah. what he's <laughs> unless Pierce somehow went back to Boston for a spell right. or, or I, I don't Carter. I guess well, that's what's cool about the KG thing. Yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, that yeah exactly. Minnesota, but yeah, I mean, he's back in Minnesota, and we talked about you know him kind of having that purpose as like that mentor and sort of embracing yeah. that and sort of. You, you know, like th- that's I mean, he's by far the most important player in their franchise history. So have him back that that's that's a meaning for a, a franchise is not, you know, that's. Yeah. And, and from a team standpoint, too, it's 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 you mentioned from a roster building standpoint, it's good to know, OK, you know, just scratch him off the books for next year. You know, now we can build with, you know, you know, you kind of have closure on that end. But also there's also, you know, it, it's kind of in some way sort of exploitative but now that you know that they're retiring you can do a lot more that season you know you can have the bobblehead day the t-shirt you know you can market it a little bit more which you know in in one respect is is kind of like shady and icky or whatever but in some it, it, it's kind of cool like paul canerco for the white sox you know, i'm a big you know chicago white sox fan or whatever uh you know he retired i think two years ago at this point and like every weekend there was something going on that was paul canerco related you know you get a bobblehead one day you get this and it made it it gave a reason to go to the stadium even with the team is no good like and and that i think is always kind of cool with NBA teams too where you're like you know what hey this seems no good but you know it's my last time seeing this guy or it's my last time seeing Kobe Bryant so in that respect it's kind of cool or you can get giveaways and that stuff so yeah I'm all on board with it yeah and I'm sure Lakers fans feel that way I mean you know having I I, I'm sure that there's value in having the ability to kind of say goodbye to Kobe and and know that you're saying goodbye to Kobe and being able to sort of um enjoy it even if maybe you know the aesthetics of how he's playing um <laughs> you know if you have to put acid in your eyes when you're right leave, yeah. when you leave the game but other than that it's yeah <laughs> i mean i i think there's at least like now you know you can get something out of like the crowd reactions on the road when you know they're getting mm-hmm. excited for him to right. to be there or chant mvp or whatever you know he is one of these very very few like transcendent like across the league type stars who really like oh no in, in any city he goes there's a, a huge pocket of kobe Bryant. yeah I mean, like, guaranteed. There's not one city here that 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 doesn't have you know hundreds of thousands of Kobe sure, Bryant fans. Sure, sure. So. I mean, yeah, I, I there are, and the list of players who really make a difference on that level is very small. So, right. Um, you even the other guys we talked about, um, you know, KG, Dirk, and Duncan. You know, as great as they are and as important as they are to the history of the game, they don't really have that same sort of appeal for the most part. So, right. Um, yeah. So, uh, should we get into the players we're going to talk about? Let's do it. All right, we're going to start with Michael Jordan. You might have heard of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, of course, famous, he spent most of his career with the Chicago Bulls, but um, after retiring uh, with, uh, after having won six championships, two three-peats, um, spent a couple years out of the league, then got involved in the ownership of the Washington Wizards and decided, hey, you know what, I'll come back. And uh, <laughs> played for a couple uh, more seasons Um and I don't know, this is sort of considered like a a huge like historical mistake or like a I don't know about like a ruining of a legacy, but definitely like a detraction of his legacy. Um, but, uh, you know, he didn't really I mean, he didn't play that bad. I mean, he no, he wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And that, that that's what's always kind of funny about those is in, in you know, and, and at the time I remember that being the big talking point. Oh, my God, what is Jordan doing? Oh, my God, it's so embarrassing. Oh, my God, he can't do anything he used to do or whatever. But then when you look down to it, I mean, yeah, the teams didn't win. And maybe that's the biggest thing of his legacy is like that. Everybody had that mystique that anytime Jordan steps on the floor, his team is automatically, you know, 
in title contention are going to win a title. And that, you know, for many, many years, that was the case. But, you know, with the Wizards, it wasn't that. But on the court, he wasn't. I mean, it was pretty damn good. I mean, he had lost most of the athleticism, but he could still shoot. I remember he had that little, like, drop step fadeaway thing that he would just hit on everybody. And it's like... He, you know, he got in the gym and then probably said, OK, look, I can't do what I did at all. But, you know, he wasn't that much different than like what the Jordan was on the last, you know, Bulls team. I mean, that that was a Jordan that was radically different than the Jordan that was on the 91 Bulls. You know what I mean? Sure. Like if you watch those two Jordans, they're not that, you know, they're not similar at all. And I think the final, you know, three Pete Jordan, at least the last year, 98 Jordan, it's not a whole lot different than the one you got with the Wizards. He was just a little bit older, a little bit more, you know, out of shape. But, yeah, like his, his final season was actually pretty Good. His first one back, he had a, a decent amount of struggles, but this one, his final one, I mean, he didn't go out like the whimper. I mean, he was, he, you know, played all 82 games, uh, started 67 of them. He had a, um, a 20 points per game, which was the career low, but he was second on the team uh, of the Wizards. It was not a great Wizards team at that time. It was like Jerry Stackhouse was on there and a few other guys. Uh, but yeah, no, second on the team with 20 points per game, uh, 44.5% from the field, which is, is not bad at all considering, you know, his shots weren't very close to the rim. They were very, you know, kind of mid-range heavy. Uh, 6.2 win shares, uh, 0.099 win shares per 48. Uh, all, I mean, not great numbers, but definitely certainly not yeah. bad, like not unplayable. Not, not like, that like would he was dead embarrassing dead himself, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's not 6.2 win share is not embarrassing. I and mean, that's, yeah, yeah, it's not like that. And then, you know, his usage was the highest on the team at 28.7. So he was taking up a lot of possessions. But, you know, with that team, it really wasn't. I mean, I, I suppose Jerry Stackhouse, I think he was second, probably could have used a few more of those possessions. But it, it's, it wasn't a big deal. And that team wasn't very good anyway. But, yeah, certainly did not embarrass himself at all. I mean, you know, famously sort of, you know, knocked his point per game uh, totals down uh, almost to. Uh, real bad levels, or you know, in terms of like not going to be an all time great or whatever, but still, when it all said and done, I mean, the, the guy was great and he didn't, it didn't affect his career all that much. I mean, I think we talk about it a little too much as it being an embarrassment. It's really not. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I, I think it depends on how you view Jordan when you experience Jordan. Like, if you think of like, if you kind of came of age like in the early 90s or when like Jordan was like completely dominant, just com- and the Bulls completely dominated the league and, you know, basically, um, you know, if, if Jordan was there, you know, they couldn't lose type of thing if you have that jordan in your head then i think it's like a big fall from that if you take jordan's entire career the first eight years when you know they had a lot of team struggles even though he had individual brilliance and you know they they were knocking at the door forever and you you know if you kind of take into like jordan being great but not necessarily immortal you know like in the same way of like the you know of bill russell let's say of of the team success on i mean then i think this fits more in with just like okay well you know this is just an aging great still great but not quite as great and you know this is keeping more in line with the early part of of his career so i i I think it kind of depends on when you got into jordan and when you um you know, when he came of age as an NBA fan. Um, yeah, I, I, the, he did start playing from, on the bench. It was because um, he started as a sixth man. It was because of uh, you kind of wanted to save himself, but then injuries sort of put him back in the uh, starting lineup. Um, and, you know, and this was really like the only time he was able to actually say goodbye, you know, to, to fans or fans were, I, I guess, more able to say goodbye to him while he was still playing. I mean, the other two retirements, the first came after, you know, his his father had been murdered and it was just, you know, in a press conference over the summer. The uh, second time was after the lockout had ended in early 99. And, you know, it was it was at an event at the United Center, but it was, you know, it wasn't during a game. It was, uh, people, there was a strong feeling that, you know, 
when they won the 98 championship, that was probably going to be it. And that was certainly going to be it for the the Bulls team, you know, being together. You know, whether Jordan would continue was, I, I think, considered unlikely, but was less, you know, certain. Um, mm-hmm. So, but this was a definitive way of saying goodbye. It was announced before, you know, the end of the season. He had a, um, you know, he was, uh, I think Vince Carter, um, you know, um, deferred so that Jordan could take his place as starter in the All-Star game. And Jordan hit uh, what was like a game-winning shot, although it ended up being, um, <laughs> ended up being negated. Uh, well, he, the shot would counter, but then other things happened that um, ended up not making it the game winner. Um, Who was the go to that? I remember there was somebody that like felt really bad. Uh, uh, well, Kobe like got fouled and like Kobe was mad that the, um, that the refs had called the foul and then he made the <laughs> yeah. and it tied and then it went to overtime. And I, I, yeah, I forgot who was, I forgot who the guy that followed Kobe afterwards, but he was like so apologetic and stuff after the game. I just remember that vividly in my mind. Like it was like, this is a farce of a game. Like nobody, like everybody's upset that the game went on and like things, it was just kind well, of, yeah, in that respect. you know, I forgot who it was. It was somebody. I don't, uh, some, I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. It was some klutzy guy yeah. too. And it was like somebody that you're like, yeah, of course that was the guy who did it or whatever. It was like, no, don't follow him. Don't follow him. Don't follow him. Damn it. Like, like Antoine Walker, someone like that. I forgot yeah. who, but it's probably Antoine Walker. But. Um, we'll just go ahead and blame him. So yeah, it's, anyone wants, <laughs> I feel like it's anyone wants to let us know for a at over and back NBA on Twitter, you can let us know. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I mean he had he had three forty point games that season, including a forty three point game against the Nets uh, that came four days after his fortieth birthday, which means he's the only b- b- player over the age of forty to have a forty point game in NBA history. Um, and Jack McCollum, Jermaine O'Neal, got it. Sorry, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't, O'Neal, I couldn't resist. Go. All right, couldn't resist. but is not, not quite that much of a klutz. But no, no, he's not very much of yeah. a klutz. But I remember him being very apologetic afterwards. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I imagine basically everyone in that game was like worshipped Jordan as a kid. So you know, <laughs> right. I mean, that that must be, you know, that that would be an an odd feeling. I mean, I, you know, I get a lot of them are used to playing against him, but still, I mean, you know, you, you know, it's his last one. It's it makes a difference. So. Um, Macal, wait, wait a minute. No, that doesn't make any sense because uh, O'Neal, he would been, he would have been with the Pacers by then, right? Yeah, he was a Pacer. So, yeah, he followed Kobe Bryant. Oh, he. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Um. So Jack McCollum wrote a uh, a piece that's in the SI Vault. Uh, Michael Jordan going out in style is what it's called. And uh, the the quote there is: When you play the Washington Wizards, you're not playing a mediocre team bal- battling to make the playoffs in the mediocre Eastern Conference. You're playing Michael jo- Jordan on his last go round, and that means something. So you know that that's a purpose, obviously. That you know we're kind of feeling with Kobe now, and um, yeah, there, there's there is a famous um, Washington City paper um, article. I guess it's sort of actually a series of articles written by a bunch of different people. Um, and it's really like a um, it's a pretty scathing um, look at sort of like the, you know, the, the the cynical nature of Jordan being in Washington and sort of like the after hours look and the, the honorage around him and like him, like um, sort of like living his youth, like in the clubs and, you, you know, things mm-hmm. like that, just sort of like setting like a. Jordan scene is like sort of a pathetic old man. It's really well included in the in the links if we get a chance because that's a um a pretty famous piece and just sort of it's not all super negative, but there's enough of it that's um you know pretty strongly negative that's um you know but it does paint a picture of kind of how he was viewed at the end there of just sort of like this being a little bit of like a you know a a a, a sad coda to the end mm-hmm. of his career. Um. So the the quote from that is for one hot shooting quarter or one night at a club, you could still pretend that Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan, 
but it couldn't last. Step back, and he was just another Wizards or Bullets short time with a funny backstory. Rex Chapman or Manute Bull. He was just another businessman watching things go sour with the boss. So, and after this, in fact, he was fired as team president by um, a poem, the owner of the uh, uh, Wizards, uh, which Jordan sort of viewed as a um, betrayal. But Jordan didn't have necessarily the best um, record as an executive. He would sort of argue, well, you know, we're kind of reboating here. I did some things that enabled us. They were able to sign Gilbert Arenas thanks to some of the, cl- the cap space he cleared. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, but he did draft Kwame Brown and, you know, not not a. Not a great run for him, but he sort of felt like, okay, I went here and played. And now I should have this position, and then it didn't really work out. But then, you know, he ended up uh, buying the um, the the Charlotte Bobcats, and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> the championships came. Yes, yes, they came came swiftly. Yes, swiftly indeed. <laughs> so you, um, you know, the, the, obviously one highlight of this final year was the emotional goodbye that he had in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So of course, that's kind of the probably I think the, probably the most famous game of of his uh, retirement tour or whatever. Yeah, I came went to Chicago. Um, they had a famous thing that they, they announced him. They, it wasn't like too over the top, but they they put in the from North Carolina. You know, uh, similar to the the introduction he would get as a member of the Bulls, but you know, I've got it as the Wizards. Uh, received I think like a four minute standing ovation or something like that. He had to get a microphone to to finally be like, all right, thank you. <laughs> like, stop talking. And then like, I remember um, watching on TV at the time and they, uh, the bulls, cause they always put the, turn the lights out to do like the intros. They turned the lights out and everybody just booed. <laughs> and that was the best part. Cause it was like, now the bulls players are just getting booed mercifully as they're coming out to their own team. And like, it, it's, it's pretty funny, but yeah, that was sort of uh, one of the funny things. And there's a, there's a good article, um, an ESPN recap actually talking about it and it said um you know here's a quote uh though jordan swears this is his last season so still it was kind of funny that there's a little bit of like ah you know he says it's his last season but is he really true uh but but it, you know of yeah. course it would be uh so the bulls canceled the pregame ceremony they had originally planned uh because he uh jordan said he didn't want the traveling farewell tour he had specifically said i just want you know you know, do whatever you want for me, but yeah, I don't want the full tour. I don't want all this sort of stuff. So, uh, interesting enough, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, Jordan quotes in that story. Uh, we both had a chance to say goodbye. Let's move on to the rest of the season and move on in life. So Jordan was ready to, uh, go to the next level. And then, uh, Marcus Pfizer, uh, then Chicago bull Marcus Pfizer had a great quote. Uh, he's always going to be Michael Jordan, no matter what in three or four years, he could be 300 or 400 pounds and he's still going to be Michael Jordan. You could have Hitler mustache. Yeah, little did he know, he, little he, did he Marcus Pfizer know that uh, Michael Jordan would take him up on that uh, 300 pounds. He could wear extremely baggy <laughs> jeans, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, he could, you know, he, he could do anything, you know. He still might. Which, Jordan. if you saw Jordan in the 90s, you could kind of understand that he probably would have terrible the, the fashion, fashion come. Wasn't good because, like, yeah. in the 90s, like he wore bad stuff, but it was like it was the oh, 90s, the 90s, yeah, no like noticed. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you could tuck your sweater into like corduroys. No one will care. Sure. That's great. Yeah. Like that's really cool. Very cool. But yeah, then he like never evolved past that, and it's still like, oh yeah, the. You're still wearing that like uh, <laughs> the golf hat, huh? Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that's all right. But yeah, that's so yeah, Marcus Pfizer there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that that was uh, probably his most famous, you know, game of his retirement right. tour. And, but, and it was yeah. it's worth noting that the the Bulls were absolutely terrible for oh, like yeah. five or six years after Jordan left. I mean, they were trying to do kind of a 76ers style rebuild. I mean, all young players. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they kind of rebooted that after a couple of years and um, and then it didn't really until like, oh, five, they were not very good at all. Um, right. So they, can you imagine the Internet outrage now if they tra- oh, if, if a team traded Elton Brand like after his rookie year? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the Bulls literally had a guy, Elton Brand, who had won Rookie of the Year, was scoring you know twenty two points a game, like a reliable guy, and they traded him for a, an eighteen. Was it after one year like, or two years? I thought uh, I was two years. He had two years there. I just meant like okay. after being you know he was named Rookie of the okay, Year. Right. You so know, obviously came back had a good spring. season. Yes. Yeah, and then like so two. I mean, he's what 22, 23 sure. at most at yeah. that point, and they yeah. trade it. I mean, like, can you imagine yeah. the outrage? And like, that that trade was for Tyson Chandler, right? It's Tyson Chandler. They drafted yes, yeah. Curry and they signed. Tyson they drafted Chandler. Curry and then traded yeah. uh, uh, Brand to the Clippers for Chandler. Yeah. yeah, can you even imagine? Who, who didn't really work yeah. out that well in in uh, in Chicago? Obviously, the no, later no. stages in his career did very well, but Chicago was sort of an up and down situation for him. But, um. Uh, so next we next we'll talk about uh pro- I, I don't know one of the two most famous retirement tours for m- me uh, and these are kind of linked together uh Julius Irving um who retired in the um the 1987 season um you know he um he, this was kind of this is the first one that I was aware of of where it was like okay you're going to all these different cities you're getting these gifts from each of the teams and, you know, and, and the fans are, are saying goodbye to you. Um, and, you know, and it's interesting to kind of see how like he was, he, he was viewed at the time. Uh, I mean, he's still viewed as like a great player, one of the greats of all time, maybe, but not necessarily like, you know, the, the best player of like the 60, uh, the, excuse me, the seventies and eighties, yeah. you know, like I, I, mean, I, he doesn't seem transcendent. No, I mean like I, and I love him. I think he's yeah. great, but yeah, like he doesn't quite strike me as a guy that deserves, you know, well, a, a lot of pageantry. Yeah, I, I it's mean, just, I, I mean, I think he deserved it fine at the time, but it's just like, yeah, now like the way he, the, I, I feel like he is, he is not viewed as like, um, He's not like a top ten. He's not viewed as a top ten greatest player of all time, mm-hmm. or like that. Like yeah. like this. Like that would warrant the streamers. So I guess in in those terms, yeah. I get. I guess maybe it seems overstated, in a way. Uh, in, in terms of his numbers that year, uh, played in uh, sixty games and he started each one of those. I uh, had a career low sixteen point eight point per game, uh, four point four rebounds per game, shot forty seven point one percent, so still not bad. Uh, Three point five win shares, point uh, zero eight eight uh, win shares per forty eight, and both those were also career lows. So, I mean, not like an awful, awful showing, but not. A, I mean, it was obvious that this was the worst of the Julius Serving. You know, it's not. It, yeah, it, it it was probably time to go at this point. I mean, he it, this wasn't a terrible year, but it looked like he had pretty much checked out or not checked out, but everything that he had was pretty well gone at this point. Yeah. But he was able to kind of rely on still some of the innate skills that he had. But yeah, a lot of the flash and flair was was pretty well gone. Yeah, and the Sixers at this point were a um, uh, they were sort of a middling playoff team. They ended up losing mm-hmm. in the first round to the Bucks. They seemed to play the Bucks basically in every um, year, but they had <laughs> yeah. traded um, Moses Malone for, uh, for for Jeff Ruland, and um, you know Andrew Andrew Tony was basically at the end of his career. Um, Barkley had come in and was obviously taking like a larger um, share, but they were you, you know the. the the previous season was kind of like the last hurrah for like that, the the Moses Malone centered Sixers, you know, began obviously in 83 with the championship and then had, you know, some deep playoff runs, you know, uh, through 86, they lost a seven game semifinals to the Bucks in 86. So, um, you know, so so they had a strong, you you know, they, they had deep playoff runs um, through that point. And then, um, you know, by 87, you know, they were lower tier and then they would kind of start rebuilding after that, um, for the most part around Barkley, which didn't work out. But, um, you know, um, 
yeah, at, at that point, he actually had the third most points of all time, NBA and ABA, behind uh, Kareem and Will Chamberlain. I mean, he had, um, I think he just, just went over 30,000 points for his um, career. So, um, I mean, you, you think on that scale, it's like the third greatest scorer of all time. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I mean, yeah. that's obviously a, um, obviously a great accomplishment. So, um, and had been the guy who um, um, helped uh, popularize the, the slam. In fact, um, you, another thing that sort of illustrates kind of his important, uh, importance is that in the, um, the May 4th, 1987 issue of sports illustrated, there were seven articles on, uh, on Irving's retirement. Um, <laughs> some of them were shorter, but I mean, they were all decent length, you know, articles. I mean, they were, yeah, obviously it was part of like a big center spread type thing, but, um, you know, uh, Frank Deferred, uh, the very famous Sports Illustrated writer, you know, for a long time, um, you know, he about Irving's legacy. He wrote uh, basketball is now a much more artistic game than it was before than any game was before because of Julius Irving. The slam before the doctor was essentially an act of power. A stuff is what it was usually called as great giants jammed the ball through the hoop. Um, Irving transformed the stuff into the dunk and made it made what had been brutal and a product of size into something beautiful and a measure of creativity. So, yeah. um, and I was talked about like being like, you know, not only one of the greatest players ever, but also like one of the kindest and nicest people to ever deal with. Like just amazingly. So, um, uh, and I guess part of the reason why he was sent off in such a, um, uh, with such, such, such a hurrah. So, uh, yeah. and then McCollum, uh, Jack McCollum writing for, um, they they called it the Doc Across America tour. They, they this of course was uh, well maybe not of course because a lot of people probably have no idea what this is. But Hands Across America. Do you know Hands Across America? Was? I do. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. What? Well, yeah. Hands Across America. Pretty much only from like the Simpsons. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember. In that I'm sense. Yeah. I was. I'm almost remember when Hands Across America was something that like was like a big deal and was like talked about. It was like with the hundredth anniversary of the Statue of Liberty and it had been restored yeah. and then like part of that was like a. Um, you know, the, I guess the idea was that everyone was going to hold hands across the entire like United States, like they were gonna, you know, or at least like in you know sections of it. So, did you hold hands? Uh, I I don't believe so. No, I don't remember that. Oh. So I, I got some way, way to break the chain. Dude. I got That's some cool. special um statue. <laughs> Ohio was was empty. I guess so Ohio was empty. Well, you know, <laughs> I I, we, I did get some special uh, Statue of Liberty uh, themed coins from my uh, great grandparents, oh, which I still have. So, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, anyway, um, so he, he talked about, uh, how doc, like, uh, you know, would always do the right thing on any of these tour stops. Like in, in Seattle on November 11th, he asked the crowd to pause. And remember that it was veterans day in Boston on March 29th. He seamlessly read the inscription on a commemorative plaque after Celtic president Red Arbach had forgotten to do so in New Jersey on April 3rd. He came apart with just the right measure of motion when his old ABA Nets jersey, number 32, was lowered from the Raptors. At Madison Square Garden on April 6th, he greeted uh, Star Trek's Dr. Uh, Leonard Bones McCoy with a Vulcan salute. So, um, uh, Nerd. Yeah, well, there you go. So, <laughs> Nerdlinger. Adapt, adapt to any situation. So, uh, yeah, there's some, there's a, there's a pretty good YouTube clip of like, uh, some of the highlights from Doc's retirement tour, which is, uh, which is worth checking out, um, if you have never uh, seen it. So, um, and next is one that I had not really known that much about up until kind of doing some of the research for. I, I was aware that he had had sort of a, like a fairly famous retirement ceremony. Um, but, 
as far as the actual tour, I hadn't know much about that. It was John Havlicek for the Boston Celtics. He had he retired in the 1978 season. And this is interesting to me because this is sort of a this is obviously just before Magic and Bird um, come in and the, you know, the entire nature of the NBA changes. But, you know, the NBA, you know, obviously the early stars for the most part, at least as far as I'm aware of, none of them really got this kind of send off because, you know, either the league just hadn't had like a tradition and a history yet to sort of warrant it. Or, you know, most of the players before Havlicek, they didn't, they had not necessarily announced their retirement ahead of time. You know, it was a after the season type of decision. So Havlicek did announce his ahead of time. And there, this is the first, you know, that I'm aware of, of like kind of this sort of like tour, you know, that, that like that Irving had where, um, uh, you know, where, you know, he'd go to the different cities and they would give him different gifts. And a uh, a piece from Curry Kirkpatrick um, was uh, talks about this and says that recently certain critics have rudely knifed through Havlicek's career long diplomatic immunity to question the propriety of his personally orchestrated final trek through the league, wherein every wherein at every stop he has been accorded hosannas and rewarded with enough appliances to fill backstage at the prices right. One man went so far as to remark that. Attracting a full house by the presentation of an oversized soft pretzel trophy, <laughs> tasty cakes, and a 10-pound salami, a few of the 76ers' chosen gifts, was not exactly a fitting monument to Havlicek. So, <laughs> I like that. I'll take, I'll take that big pretzel, though. That was nice. Yeah. So, Can you eat the soft tro- uh, the pretzel trophy? Uh, or is it an edible soft pretzel uh, trophy? That, that, or is it a trophy made out of soft pretzel? Uh, That's a, you know. I mean... Yeah, that that's an excellent question. I I was assuming it was like a is there glue on it, or like I was yeah, assuming I that it was a trophy shaped in a soft pretzel <laughs> and not an actual soft pretzel. But I that's a uh, yeah yeah yeah. We'll see know. if the, we will have to get Curtis Harris on the yeah there you the go. Horn to see yeah, if you can uh, officially let us know if it was a soft pretzel or a pretzel shaped trophy. If anyone so. would know, I would imagine the Curtis would know. Exactly, that's yeah. the type of thing. So, that, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and, and have a check of, you know, he had, I think this was his 15th season. He was uh, in his late 30s. Um, this was, a, he had set longevity records um, in the league. So, um, and, you know, was still a pretty good performer um, in his final season. Not, you not what he was in his prime. The Celtics that year were a team that had struggled after um, having had, um, obviously, the great 60s run. And even after Russell retired, they were still, you know, they won two championships and had, you know, a, a standout run in the uh, 70s that basically ended in Havlicek's last season. Yeah, it, it, the year isn't too bad. He plays in all 82 games, which is is, is quite fitting for, for Mr. Havacek. Uh 16.1 points per game, uh, four rebounds per game, four assists per game. Uh, shoots 44.9%. Uh, from the field, I mean, not bad at all. Uh, 5.1 win shares and a .087 win shares per 48. Uh, that win shares per 48 was his career low, but the win shares were not his career low. They were actually uh, about as good as he had done, you know, his any of his first five years of his career. Yeah. So that, that that not bad. I mean, he's definitely you know not a, a a total slouch at all. And that's that's kind of one one of the fun themes of going through this is I kind of assume more of these legends sometimes would go out with just a really clunker of a year. But it seems like almost every that we that we're going to detail here you know went out with a pretty pretty decent year. They're not like the you know the baseball player that's you know hitting you know under two hundred and unplayable or whatever. None of these guys are unplayable. They're all pretty damn good so far. So it's 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 pretty cool. But yeah, no. Uh, other than the Boston not really being a great team, um 
Uh, a decent last year. I know uh, his final game, though, I think he shot something like 29 point or like like shot like 30 times in that game or something like that. Some ridiculous number. But other than that, he, he stayed pretty under control. So, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll give him we'll, we'll, we'll give him a little slack for, uh, you know, it, it being his last game. And yeah, the team sucks. Yeah, I'm going to do yeah. whatever the hell I want. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> so um, I want enough. I want a goddamn enough titles. I don't need to <laughs> just let me shoot. Just want to go out one time shooting. There's so. a uh, there's a good um, anecdote about um, from um, from Slam magazine talking about is it sort of a profile. Have a check in that. Um, you're talking about the, the sort of the only interest of that season was farewell tour because they were so bad. Um, he arrived at the game in a tuxedo. Um, they, uh, I believe the, um, the Celtics gave him a camper at halftime. There was like this big, like nine minute <laughs> ceremony where he's like standing there and they're all kind of like celebrating him. And, um, he doesn't need the camper. Everybody gave him appliances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So, um, he, he avoided the appliances for the camper, you know? I do those. I don't know. Do those work in the well? Or do you need like? Do you need special camper appliances? Get, I don't, I've never owned a camper. Maybe they gave so him a I, converter. I, I, you know, whatever, whatever you might. I okay. think the appliances work, work. I don't know. Yeah. See, I don't know. I don't know if there are special plugs or something. So yeah. he uh, he shot thirty three times in that game actually. Um, oh, okay. All right. And um, you know the Celtics were in control throughout. They were playing the Buffalo Braves, um, which will be important in a moment. Um, and as the clock wound down, the crowd really got into it. Um, Ernie DeGregorio, who um, was a pretty famous, he had a very short-lived career due to injury, but he was um, a, a very popular mid-70s um, point guard uh, playing for the Buffalo Braves um, after the injury. He had played a little bit for the Lakers and then a little bit for the Celtics. This was his final game as well. Um, he was in the game for Boston, and um, he was basically, every time he was passing it to Havlicek, um, and then he, uh, the writer compared it to he Hondo had begun his career catching passes from Bob Cousy. And now he was ending it by catching passes from the only player alive who saw the game the way the Coos did in one 11 second span. Ernie D twice found have a trick on sneakaways. He scored nine lightning points to an amazing roar, finishing with 29, a phenomenal farewell. So, um, and the interesting thing about his final game, it was also the this would be the final game for the Buffalo Braves as they would move to San Diego after the season was done. And it was the same day that David Thompson scored 73 and George Griffin scored 63 points to, uh, you know, for their duel for the scoring title for so the uh, a lot of unabashed chucking on this. Yes, on this day. exactly. So, so, Kobe Bryant would be proud of this. Yeah, this there you go. The day he can. <laughs> that is a, that, uh, uh, that's a, yeah, exactly. So, um, so that is definitely an interesting uh, day in um, in NBA history. Um, but yeah, you know, and I, one thing that to sort of tie in both the Havlicek and Irving um, tours is that they are obviously the, the, them along with Kareem are the most famous, um, um, or at least the the examples that I can find the most prominent examples of actually like having a tour and having these gifts and having like this, you know, thing. And with Kareem, you know, the interesting thing is like, you know, with Irving and Havlicek didn't really necessarily matter because they were not, you know, they weren't really playing for anything. You know, their teams were not good. Um, I mean, I guess Irving's was a playoff team, but you know, they weren't like a championship contender and Havlicek was nothing, but, but Kareem was on a, you know, NBA finals, um, the team that ended up going to the finals and was had championship aspirations. So he talked a lot about how it was really a big distraction for him to like go sort of through those ceremonies and just sort of like be standing like for 10 minutes and to, you know, be kind of cold and, you know, just, just kind of stand still and not be warming up. And, you know, it, it sort of affected, he felt like it affected sort of how he played and affected, mm-hmm. you know, he, his season that year was 
um, far below his usual standards. Um, and actually, they um, they set a limit for those ceremonies because of how like Julius Irving had gone for so long that they were like, OK, we, we need to set a time <laughs> right. to, to make these not um, interesting. But it's interesting that after Kareem's was done, there really was not another one on a major scale, at least that I can find. And, you know, part of it is, you know, we talked about Jordan's retirement um, magic's, uh, you know, he, and he had to retire because of HIV. So his was sudden, um, bird didn't, you know, he, he, his, well, you know, his last year, he wasn't, I think I, his decision didn't come until after the Olympics, you know, his announcement, at least his final decision, I think came before them, but wasn't necessarily assured during the season. And he wasn't maybe necessarily the type to have that kind of pomp and circumstance. So you wouldn't think Kareem would be either. The, the Kareem's sort of the interesting one because you think that sort of goes against his personality to a degree, but, yeah, yeah. you know, but just the, the way it goes. So, um, but it is kind of interesting that we've never really, at least, I don't know. I don't think you found one either where we found one where it was like, oh yeah, this guy is definitely going, um, out this season and it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, no, there's not really any. I mean, there's a guy we're going to talk about here in a little bit um, that that's probably comes the closest. But even then, it wasn't. St- it's, it's still very. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. I mean, you look at the stars in the '90s, and, we'll, and I guess we'll we'll talk about him when we talk about you know this guy. But yeah, it, it, it's really hard to find until. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm, this might be the. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anybody that, yeah. that strikes me. Maybe I mean, there, there, Ford, yeah, but... I mean, Reggie Miller, he announced. Yeah, there was a little. Yeah. You know, he, his announcement came before the end of the season. Um, but I think that was more just a big deal in in, in Indiana and not necessarily a big deal about right. um, you know with, with nationally because I mean, it, you know that was that was the same season the Malice of the Palace brawl. So yeah, that was a good team. I mean, they they yeah. probably had bigger focuses. I mean, that team was built yeah, to yeah, they, go to the finals. Yeah. I mean, that was a good team at that time. Finals. Everybody was ready to go. Like. That that was the main focus I remember of that year is that Reggie was going to retire and everybody was like, all right, cool. Instead, like, let's win this for you know, let's let's get to the finals for Reggie or let's win a title for it versus like the oh, let's give Reggie things. You know, that was a real deal team sure. at that point. Yeah, I mean, of course. but by, after the mouse in the palace, that wasn't yeah, that wasn't going to happen. But but before correct. then, yes, that absolutely was sort of the case. So that was just kind of a weird year, a weird vibe around that team. And and Ewing, of course, is a famous one that just retired. You know, got a supersonic or a magic. Was yeah, it, it was magic. Was the magic right? was the yeah, magic. but that was like, but yeah. his came after. For the season so right yeah right. and then even then it was just kind of like a sad, real sad at that point yeah. <laughs> so even then it would have been like kind of weird to like even do it but yeah you, you go through the bunch and hakeem uh we'll talk about him in here yeah, a little I mean, bit you know yeah there isn't really much to say i mean other than he just basically played yeah. his final season with the raptors after you know 17 years in houston and then you know was yeah all the 90s guys seem to at least bounce like one more time before they they were yeah yeah all the way yeah right, right yeah the guys who um, you would think might get that sort of circumstance, didn't really get it because yeah, they were end up being on different teams. Or yeah, if Hakeem was in Houston, I, I don't have any doubt that he would. There would have been something. Yeah. but you know, I mean, they, they had a ceremony in Houston after, but but it yeah. wasn't you know it wasn't the same kind of thing. You know, so um, uh, so next now this is sort of a different category, but I just thought it was too interesting to not mention is this is Jerry West and he retired in. Uh, after the 74 season and there, there wasn't any kind of a farewell well tour, but the, um, I mean, basically just announced it. Um, I, I guess actually in fall of 74. So, so before the 75 season, he announced it. Um, and, uh, you know, this came after, uh, a pretty, um, bad year for him. Um, you know, he did not play well that year. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and that final year, you know, he just played in in just 31 games, so didn't play a lot of games. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, Scoring-wise, not terrible. 20.3 points per game, uh, 6.6 assists per game, which are pretty low for him, but not too bad. Uh, career worst, uh, 3.2 win shares, uh, and a second worst ever win shares per 48 of 0.159. Yeah. So not a terrible win share no, for 48 number, but yeah, yeah it's, it's not bad. But yeah, overall, though, it, it just wasn't the Jerry West of old in a lot of ways. Sure. And, and you know, health-wise and and, and, and just numerous ways as well. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's probably the worst one we've talked about yet in terms of, of seasons, but still interesting. Yeah. And the two uh, most interesting things about this is that West was like they, the Lakers had three all time greats retire in three straight seasons. I mean, um, Elgin Baylor retired um, in during the 72 season before they won the championship. You know, he played like 11 games that year and was just done. And then Will uh, retired after the 73 season and then West retired after the 74 season. So um, that's just like it, it's sort of an incredible thing if you if you think about it. I mean, those are basically you know, three of the of the top five greats of their, you know, of that generation. And they all retire on the same team within, you know, very short period of time. Right. And then West, um, he was eventually sued by the team for not fulfilling his contract. Um, it was a six million dollar lawsuit. Actually, I guess he had he had sued um, Jack Kent Cook, the owner, after um, you know they they wouldn't honor the contract, and they said that well he retired, um, so you know we shouldn't honor the contract feeling like they, he could have played. And, you know, he said, no, I, I couldn't play or whatever. So anyway, the, he withdraws the lawsuit. And part of the terms of that are, um, that he became the coach of the team. <laughs> That's very, so weird. The forced coach. That's just, uh, yes. And, uh, you know, he, um, you know, he replaced Bill Sharman who, um, went into the front office and, um, you know, was an important aspect of, you know, front office and building the next great Lakers, Lakers team. Um, and, uh, you know, that was right when they, that was 76 season. Um, that was right around the time that they got, um, that they got Kareem. I think Kareem was the only, um, if I, if I'm not mistaken, West was, you know, was Kareem's first coach or, or if not, it was close after that. So, um, and yeah, and the, the Lakers kind of what coaching was not necessarily a West forte. They, they sort of, um, <laughs> you know, it was basically a give the ball to Kareem and let him work kind of thing, which I mean, it, that's not a bad strategy, no, yeah. but I mean the, the, the lack of variety was kind of an issue. He just didn't have <laughs> the temperament for coaching. I mean, he admitted this kind of in his book, um, that he wasn't necessarily like the guy who was, um, you know, meant to do that. But I just thought that was like, that's a, such a seventies NBA story um, that, you know, basically the, to, to end a lawsuit, he becomes coach of the team. So <laughs> it's like a, t- a movie there. There's, there's gotta be like some campy, you know, eighties or nineties movie where, you know, somebody become has to become the coach of a team or whatever. Yes. And I mean, that's perfect. Maybe, Jerry, maybe they should make the, the adaptation of the Jerry West story. I, I like his quote of like, I wouldn't be here unless my suit had been dropped. Um, uh, said and, <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know. This is funny. It's a UPI story, and this is like the most boring quote ever. I spoke to Mr. Cook yesterday morning. He said he would call me back in the afternoon. He called me back in the afternoon, congratulated. Me, so it was finalized <laughs> yesterday. Jeez, so, thrilling! Yes, that was a good. I had to pad that one, I guess. And then I filled out paperwork, and then it was official. Yes, there you go. Cool. 
Um, Tell us more. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, um, yeah. Again, no, like, po- this is a different category, but I just thought was sort of interesting. Um, and then one more that also doesn't quite, that doesn't really fit, but I just thought was interesting because of kind of the contrast and how they were, um, on how they both went out with their links together. John Stockton and Carl Malone. Um, Stockton retired in 2003. Um, and then Malone went to the Lakers to chase after a championship. Um, and he was injured uh, toward the end of that, or he was injured in the regular season, and then was injured again in the playoffs and didn't get that championship for him. Ended up that being his final season. Although I, I remember in 2005, there was like some talk that he might like come back and join the Spurs, but that obviously never happened. But, you know, interesting that neither guy ever got that true send off. Um, no, yeah, neither of them did. And and this one in particular, there's a YouTube video showing the final minutes of this game. You know, it was, it was the Jazz losing a playoff series to the Kings. And the announcers kind of very heavily say, you know, this might be it for Stockton. And, you know, all the players in the Kings sort of go over there and kind of say hi and, you know, give handshakes to him. And the camera's fixated on Stockton the entire time. But it's never really explicit. And then after, you know, they have the post-game press conference and, you know, the reporter, the first question out of the gates is, you know, is this it? Are you retiring? And he goes, ah, you know, I, I don't know. You know, in perfect, if you ever heard Stockton do an interview, he's like, ah, I, I, maybe, I don't know. I, I haven't thought of it or whatever. And then like, um, you know, in this particular YouTube video, then there's like a, a news broadcast that's like the next day, you know, when he finally gets into Utah or whatever. And his quote in, in perfect Stocktonian fashion is, I think I'm finished. Like in that tone too, they're like, they're like, all right, John, like, what did you have to say? Because he calls this like, like not a press conference, but it's like in the locker room. And yeah, he just says, I think I am finished. So uh, he says that he informed everybody on the team plane and all that sort of stuff. And that, you know, that was going to be it for him. So um, yeah, like it really wasn't a very good send off, you know, watching that video. It's just like, man, that's the end of John Stockton. Like uh, the season wise, I mean, and he even admits in the post game press conference too, that, you know, I, I wasn't happy with how I played this year. I wasn't a good contributor to the team. He wasn't too bad. I mean, 10.8 points per game was was fairly low for him, but 7.7 assists per game, still pretty good. Uh, 48% shooting, uh, you know, not bad at all. Nine win shares, like really damn good. And then a .91 win shares per 48, which are like for a 40-year-old are like shockingly good. So, you know, other than his scoring kind of and and probably a lot of his athleticism, he was still, you know, Stockton was still a decent player. But yeah, you, you can sort of tell from that post-game press conference in that game that it was probably going to be it for him. And then, you know, of course, uh, does it. But yeah, he didn't get, didn't really get a great send-off and neither did uh, Malone. And, and probably the most tragic part of that is they didn't really do it in Utah. They didn't get, uh, you, you know, a real good send-off from them. They mentioned in this, in, in one article that, um, you know, Stockton almost immediately after got like uh, they named a street after him outside the Delta Center. Uh, the next year they went and retired, uh, you know, his number or whatever. But it's still it just didn't feel like a send off worthy of a guy who, you know, played his entire career in Utah and that sort of stuff. But knowing John Stockton, that's probably about what he would have wanted. anyway. Yeah, I, I don't. He would have been the most awkward guy ever to like, here's like a cigar. And he'd be like, uh, you know, he'd be like shivering while it's happening. Like, just let me play. I just want to play basketball. Like, so I, I get it. It, it. It's fine for him. And I, I'm sure this is the way exact way he wanted to go out and I don't blame him. Yeah, and it's you know it's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, because Malone and Stockton obviously like you know were together for eighteen years, had you know basically a whole generation of fans you know new success through them, and they were the most important. I mean, they still are the most important players in that franchise's history by far. Um, basically established it after it had been a joke of a franchise for a decade. Um, I mean. Uh, just really laid that foundation. So for them to kind of not get that, um, 
was a little bit is a little disappointing and um and maybe contributes a little bit to why I think Stockton and Malone maybe aren't like quite as appreciated as they should be. Um, especially Malone, who like is really like has a case, and I don't think he is, but I think he certainly has a case of being the greatest power forward ever. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And certainly was that when he retired, and, and you know with Duncan coming right after him, and um, with you know Malone and Sasha never getting past Jordan and all that, all that stuff sort of works against them. But they, yeah, they were very close to a championship uh, or multiple championships. Um, you know, they had this incredible longevity and they were great. Um, you, I don't think any tandem of players has been as great together longer and later in their career. I mean, you know, even like it's astonishing yeah. how long that they were together and how successful they were. Um, you know, we have a future show coming up where we're going to talk about, you know, the number two team in the 90s. And, and in doing that, I did a lot of research on Utah. And it's like you, you sort of think, oh, yeah, you know, they, they you know, in the late 90s, they popped up and faced the Bulls. I mean, that, that team was damn good for, uh, you know, a decade plus right. with those two guys as pretty much the only like there were some parts in and here, you know, in there and out there. But I mean, it's those two dudes. I mean, yeah. there's that's it. I mean, that is really there's not another star that popped up, you know, on those Utah teams, you know, very much. I mean, there's little guys here and there. But yeah, it, that, it's those two guys that basically. Every single year, that team was going to win fifty-five games, almost guaranteed. At least fifty every single year for you know fifteen, you know, a decade plus or whatever. And that's that's profound. I mean, that's that's it's important. Yes. Um. So um. Uh, so we there were a couple others that we that we just you know were a very very quick mention. Um. We talked about him a little bit before, but Alvin Hayes, he reached the five thousand minutes milestone for a tanking Rockets <laughs> team, and then that that was it for him. Um. Hal Greer for the uh, 76ers. He was the lone holdout from the 1967 title team. You know, one of the one of the greatest individual single seasons of all time with Wilt. Um, ended his career on the bench on a nine-win team. There's a story from um, Perfectly Awful, which is um, uh, the book um, uh, Charlie Rosen wrote on um, on that team, and basically, like Hal Greer, like you know, wasn't playing in there, and then. The coach um, is like, "Hey, you want to get into this game?" He's like, "You know, you know like, uh, yeah, no, like I'm not in shape, like you know, it's it's not gonna happen." So, like, and like the fans are like, you know, in there, like you know, kind of like begging for him to like want to, you know, just have him go in one time and you know, in and be this guy who's you know this legend for this team and is the, the, like this last link to this great team. And of course, the nine win Sixers are like the worst team ever, and it's just like it's yeah. just a sad coda to you know a tremendously terrible season. Um, and then Jason Kidd, who, um, retired from the Knicks after, uh, failing to make a basket, I believe in his last 10 games. Um, and <laughs> I, God, that was bad. Yeah, <laughs> I think he was over 20 or something like that. And then, um, <laughs> then he immediately became coach of the net nets. And then it was like this, like great, like home, you know, this homecoming story and the nets were going to be really good. They'd gotten Garnett and Pierce and they were going to team up, you know, with, Darren Williams and, you know, there was a lot of optimism there about them, you know, being a, a title contender and all that. And, you know, his number was retired right away. And it was like, you know, this big, you know, it looks like all these pieces were going to come together. And then they were they were yep. they were terrible to start. They ended up being better, but ended up, you know, being disappointing in that season. Uh, and then they had a terrible, ugly breakup over that uh, next summer. And now it's <laughs> it's it's. It, so much the I guess the final season as it is the um the aftermath of that, but that's just um you know interesting the way that worked out. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, Hakeem Olajuwon is another one we talked about a, a little bit. But yeah, of course, you know, f- played the final season with the Raptors um, after the, so many years in Houston. And yeah, just it it wasn't the same thing. And I, I imagine it would have been a lot different if he stuck with Houston the whole way through. But, you know, he was to be fair, though, that team was good. That 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 uh, Toronto Raptors team. So that that was a little bit of one of the interesting parts is that he was sort of chasing, you know, an NBA finals berth or something like that. But yeah, it didn't it didn't end up happening. Yeah. Um, and and there's. He, um, uh, yeah, that announcement came like during training camp the next year. So, mm-hmm. um, and then he went to Houston and they had the announcement and then that's, you know, but it's still, again, not, not as much of the, the, the saying goodbye part, you know, was, yeah, he's absolutely a guy that I think probably could have and should have deserved it had he stayed in Houston the entire time, or at least had he announced it, you know, ahead of time. I think he was, cause I think that's another guy, at least in Houston was a transcendent sort of guy for that franchise, but yeah, you know, wasn't to be one so. back to championships. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely was really uh, important. So, but you know, we don't, we don't all get, uh, like I said, no. oh, it's, it's very rare for the actual uh, farewell tour to, uh, to come about. So, um, so Kobe, I, you know, you're, you're blessed. It'll, it'll be, <laughs> fun. And, yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting to see if, any, I mean, I, I can't imagine Duncan really having one. Dirk, I, maybe I could see. Maybe I could see that. Dirk's going to have one. I, I, yeah, I feel like the Mavericks make. are the type of franchise that's going to try to make a. It's going to kind of make a big deal about that. So, um, so I could see that one standing out and him kind of getting that. You know, that 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 yeah. last hurrah kind of thing. And he seems like a guy who kind of yuck it up a little bit too, yeah. and enjoy. It. I mean, people sort of think he's a very stoic guy, but he's he's a fun loving dude. Oh like, yeah, he, he'll. He'll love it. He'll he really will have a lot of fun with that. So. Yeah, that'll that'll that will you know that that'll be fun if that when when that comes. So, all right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for uh, checking us out. You can find us at harvardparoxysm.com, and we are part of the HP Basketball Network. Um, you can find our podcast uh, uh, on iTunes. Either search for Over and Back for our individual feed, or search for Harvard Paroxysm Network for the uh, the group of podcasts. Um, way uh, please leave a rating and or review that'd be a wonderful way to let people know about us and to spread the word about uh, our podcast if you're into it also you can check out our forums over and back nba.com it's a good discussion of uh NBA history there and you can find us on twitter and facebook at over and back nba so uh until next time thanks for listening and we'll be back again soon This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.